that stuff, those mistakes that comics get mad at, all that shit is gifts. Like it's like it's all that things that happen. It's like it takes you off. It takes you out of your comfort zone, which is good, I think, as a comic to to exist most of your life outside your comfort zone because it, that makes your comfort zone bigger, makes you a better performer. Um, here I am. Here I am. Oh, did you not get on Conan yet? Yeah. Like, come on, man! Yeah. I like attention. Yeah. It's really weird because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me. But I have to think of you in front of me because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? <laughs> I murdered most decidedly autumn here in Spring Grove Cemetery. I am lost somewhere in the second largest cemetery in the United States. I'm not crying a river. I've got the phone that has the GPS on it, so worst comes to worst, I'll find my way out like that. Now, if I didn't have that phone, would I ever make it out of this place? But this is a place that I might end up anyway, in the end. So just wait until du- until dusk, and then just settle in to to a, to a plot. Don't even have to purchase a plot. Stay in here, you know, until dark when it closes up, and uh, just start clawing at the earth. Find my way down. <sighs> Dig myself through magma. Come out in China. Never toured China before. Hello, Chinese. It's an interesting time, interesting time in life. You know, I've, I've been good. Now I'm wondering if I'm like manic depressive or something. I mean, I would know that already. And then, you know, the, there's all kinds of levels, I suppose, of that sort of thing. And maybe I have a touch of it. You know, I've just, I've had these couple of weeks of, of what you'd call mania, maybe, but it's not mania. It's just excitedness to be alive, you know. It's not, it's not ungrounded. It's actually very grounded mania. So it's not mania if it's grounded, right? It's just uh, happiness, you know? Joy, joy of living. I want to live in that forever. But for some reason, I just, you know, after every once in a while, I just drop down into uh, an unexplainable funk. And, and maybe it has to do with loose strings, you know? The, the fact that everything's not so tied up in my life. You know, there, there's all these things to do and... and I've never been that organized to keep track of everything. I'm not, I'm not, you know, great with keeping all the lists of things I got to do. So things start to kind of drop off and then I, I get overwhelmed feeling, maybe. But then when I feel good, I let all that go. And I'm like, you know what? Just going to do what I can do today. But then I feel some, you know, I feel like I have this tour coming up. This is something to tell you guys. And in, in, um, if you live in Florida or you live in Atlanta... I'm coming through solo in December, mid-December, like starting the 16th in, in Atlanta and uh, the 17th in Pensacola, 18th, you know, or maybe 17th in Jacksonville. Anyway, it, it, it's Atlanta and then Florida for the next five, four, four dates. So one date in Atlanta, four dates in Florida. If you live around there, um, I'll put the dates up on the internet soon, but uh, I, I'm a little worried because I don't, I don't have anybody to help me promote this, so I'm like trying to... Uh, 
I need to get this information out to you people so that people actually come to the shows. Nothing worse than you set up a show, you get there, no one knows about it, so no one comes. Um, I'm doing these shows with Astronautilus and Bluebird. Uh, so it'll be some rap shit, uh, creative rap stuff. Uh, should be should be very enjoyable concerts. We'll play some good music, I promise. Um, yeah, that's December. I'm looking forward to that. But that said, I need to get my merch together for that. I need to get the announcements together. To, you know, the the the, the uh, you know to to let you all know that it's happening. So I get a little bit. You know, it's just it feels like a lot or something. I don't know. I, I a lot rides on things for me. But I I do need to remember that and something that my yoga teacher just said I just got out of yoga class if you can't tell I'm a little spacey and relaxed in a good way um but something the yoga teacher just said is that you know the mushrooms growing at the bottom of the tree they're not worried about every you know holding up every system on the planet and and you know worried about keeping the the spin of the planets together in the in in orbit and in all the galaxies just working and the stars forming and all they're not worried about that shit you know what the mushrooms are worried about they're worried about themselves getting enough food taking care of themselves you know in a key position in in integral process and they're connected to everything through the process of of you know they're they're eating on bacteria or whatever the fuck they do you know they're playing their role in the food chain or whatever you want to call it uh, of everything staying alive right on planet earth and we don't, the same with us. It's like, I don't have to carry the weight of everything on my shoulders, which I tend to do. I t- like the weight of the world, like Ebola, like, uh, you know, anything going on in the world that psychically weighs on me, you know? I don't need to let that weigh on me. I can, I can just, like, pay attention to the small circles around me and, and, and be settled there, you know? It's easy on a day like today uh, in a beautiful place like Spring Grove to think that way but I gotta remember that way even when it, it gets dreary out even when the clouds are, 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 are covering the sun um, that you know I just have to play my position so to speak you know and uh, not be all over the court alright gosh it's hard and I tell you my gut is wrangled up in all this shit so I, I, I the more I, I just and it's not that I'm fixating on things like I don't consciously do it but my nature is to click back into a situation where I just have this like underlying dread I think and you know it's hereditary partially uh, and I, I say that about my, my gut issues but also just about that dread in a way or maybe I watched my mother have that dread you know and, and, and I picked it up from her and she picked it up from her mom and and you know, and, and, and so on and so forth, or her father, I don't know. And, you know, but the key is to, is to detach from that. Somehow I got to detach from that and uh, release myself of that. I don't need to carry that. You know, I, we, we, we should just be happy, uh, you know, being who we are, where we are, when we are, and all that, and be satisfied in that and, and, and actually relish in that, you know? But, you know, we do, we do tend to think outside and worry. I mean, it, it, I think what happens is, you know, we, we are past the point of just survival instincts. Like, you know, you, you watch footage of wildebeests, you know, r- running through the wilderness trying to escape the, the clutches of a lion or something or, or a crocodile. And, um, you know, they don't have time 
to ponder the why they're here and, and what they're doing and all those things that weigh on us, you know, and, and the misery worldwide and, and, and all that. But they just, they're just there. And I'm not saying they're, they're in a state of joy or whatever, but I think they're, they're, they are in a connected state anyway. And, you know, we, since we have the ability to think beyond that, it is good to, to, to always pull yourself back to that and remember that, that uh, you are connected. You know, you're, you are a part of the whole system going on here. And I can say that, you know, as I'm uh, walking across these, these uh, graves, you can feel the loose earth where someone was uh, packed down some years ago. I mean, it's actually, that can't be possible. 1922, death in 1922. William Ramsey here. Whole family here. Whole family. Sheesh. But, you know, that's, that's, that's how it is. Every, every generation builds on the one before it. And we continue on, you know. And, and uh, uh, we can't see beyond where we're at, really. We can try. We can try to think it up. Everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to know what the fuck are we... Why is this all here? You know, it's only been in the past, I don't know, a few hundred years that people have had any fucking idea you know, where we're positioned in the universe and all this kind of thing. And we still don't know shit, you know, really, when it comes down to it. But, all right, I'm going to stop babbling. I, I know I get I get so, like, philosophical, and maybe it sounds ignorant, but it's just the stuff I'm thinking about. And, yeah, I'm not a scholar and I'm not a scientist, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a thoughtful guy. I just think about this stuff. All right, my, my guest today is Ron Babcock to transition into this conversation, which I don't think this conversation got too meta or anything like that. It's actually pretty straight, probably. Uh, but, but very, very good, very good conversation. Very, very funny dude. I, I, uh, my, my friend Andre texted me the day before Ron got into Cincinnati, and he said, you need to go check out my buddy Ron Babcock. So I did. I checked out his, his, uh, his stand-up show and loved it. So I talked to him after, and then we met up at my house the next morning before he had to dip town uh, I cooked us some eggs and uh, then we had this conversation so let's get into this talk with Ron Babcock uh, sitting here in my kitchen with Ron Babcock hey beautiful kitchen this marble that is granite granite oh, moonstone yeah. granite or something like that. I like that it's rough on the bottom, smooth on top. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The bottom's yeah undone, and be careful you your pants will get chalked up. <laughs> That's right. Me many times, but it's easy to just rub, rub off. Rough on the bottom, smooth on top, just uh-huh. like me. Uh huh. Uh-huh. That doesn't really make any sense. It could <laughs> make sense. I don't. I haven't seen your bottom. <laughs> you don't want it to make sense. Yeah. Um. So you're on this tour. Yeah. Doing doing stand up. Doing the stand up in. Like bar type places and things like that. Yeah. yeah, mostly some. You said some some house shows occasionally here and there. Yeah, a lot of like weird venues. Three month tour, driving mm-hmm. from uh, LA to New York and back, doing a couple comedy clubs, but for the most part, doing mostly like 
kind of weird bar shows, yeah, indie rooms, art galleries. I did a yoga studio. You know, oh wow! Yeah, no mic. Surprisingly fun show. Yeah, um, that's it. I like that idea. I always enjoyed. I love stand up comedy shows in weird places. Exactly. Yeah, I always like comedy in like kind of um places where like places where it's like oh there's a comedy show going on like it's kind of a weird thing i think it can be like really fun for mm-hmm. me and then i'm doing a lot of like house shows which are my favorite shows are house shows yeah i think they're just because people it's like a party but you're but you're emceeing it yeah so they're we, coming yeah. there's like hey guys we're gonna have a party tonight uh there's gonna be an hour of stand-up before mm-hmm. the party mm-hmm. um and people are like oh uh, okay and they just sit down and couches and they watch the stand-up and they laugh and then it's like all right now we're just gonna party then, then you hang at the party for the rest that's a good way to meet women oh yeah it's great and then like there's beers and everybody's like you are on. unless you yeah. bomb and then you're like you know <laughs> right and everyone's like, like you corner the whole time you look like you were having fun right <laughs> right <laughs> or that uh i can never do that yeah, that, yeah. that's awesome compliment <laughs> that is that's just i can never do what you do yeah. yeah you can just say that i was funny that's, yeah or it's like uh, i get always i always get weird compliments uh, mm-hmm. which i'm like i try i have to remind myself that the people are trying to be nice What's the, like, what's the weirdest compliment you got or the most backhanded oh the worst one was uh years ago my buddy and I were in a duo, and we were working the Tempe Improv in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And we were the MCs, the openers, and then there was the feature, and then there was the headliner. And so we were all lined up. And this woman, wait, wait what were you guys? Uh, we were like the, the opener. You were the opener, the okay. feature. So we would host the show, and then we'd bring on the feature for like a, 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 you know twenty minutes, and yeah. then the headliner would come and do forty-five. And so this drunk woman came up, and she went to the headliner, and she was like, "You." were i think it was pat oswald and she was like you were amazing that was one of the i've hardly i've never laughed so hard in my life that was amazing and then she turned to the feature and she's like oh my gosh and you were so great too like yeah i i never heard of you but man you were hilarious and then she turned to us and went and you guys you're from here (laughs) that wow yeah and it's just we like started laughing oh man so hard like yeah your compliment was our geography. Did, did, did Pat and Oswald and the other guy um, hear it? They like they just like died because yeah. they like they just were like yeah that always happens yeah you know and they were like sharing their stories about when people used to like give them weird compliments yeah but it was just it made us laugh so hard. Did you live down there? I did. I moved out from. I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, yeah. home of the office. And then I started comedy. Where's Scranton? It's like northeast Pennsylvania. Northeast, okay. Two hours north of Philly, two hours west of New York. Okay. It used to be the shit back in the day. They used to the, called the Electric City. It's like the first uh, city in the country to have like electric street car, electric lights and like street cars, and really used to be um, like this kind of great, great city that is. Was it a steel town? Was it uh, like, coal? Coal. Okay. And it was uh, trains coal trains and we actually did have a lot of steel i mean it was just a manufacturing powerhouse because mm-hmm. we mined anthracite coal and anthracite coal is um it's like really it burns hotter and cleaner than other kind of coal and only three percent of the world's coal is anthracite okay and it's like, like mega coal yeah yes. it's like yeah like super coal and like 90 percent of anthracite is in like Pennsylvania, okay, and like West Virginia, it's like ninety five percent of the world supply. So gotta get that shit out, man. Yeah, it was a big, big world mining town. Yeah, uh, then that shit got used up, right? No, actually, um, the Knox mine disaster. It was, uh, I think, January twenty eighth, nineteen fifty eight. It was crazy because it. Um, Here's where we go back to the black and white. Uh, yeah, you know, footage and uh, put in a little. Uh, can you put in a little jazz score? 
The boys in blue are back home. Hitler's been defeated. Oh, yeah. Coal's still being mined like a mother. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the, it was these workers were mining uh, underneath the Susquehanna River. And at the time, there was a, supposed to be a buffer of, I think, 35 feet. You had to be at least 35 feet beneath the river. Okay. And there was a really rich vein of coal. And the mine bosses um, told the workers to keep mining. And so it turns out they were only eight feet underneath the river. I see. And what happened was they plugged through. And it was like just basically like a... The river came in. Like a bathtub effect. Yeah. And it came in and it immediately, like, just all those workers were just done. Yeah. And it, it just tore through the mines and all the mines in Northeast Pennsylvania are connected for like 20 miles. All the ones from, you know, Car- Carbondale all the way down to, to um, Avoca. Did they get word fast enough at least? They, there was no cell phones No, at the time. it was, was all no fucking... literally overnight. The entire industry mm. was done. Wiped out. Because it, it, all the mines were flooded. And so people were freaking out because, I mean, like in that... That just didn't affect the mines. That affects every single support system, like the rail yards, the supplies, right. the businessmen who trade on this, the people who come into town to do it, like every single facet. So that one guy. They, they fucked it. Who they, made that call. Fuck. Like that whole, like a whole part of the state. It's the, the region still hasn't recovered. Yeah. We've been in a depression ever since. And so that, and then what they did was they tried to plug the hole because the water was like, I mean, it was like a... a I've seen pictures of it in the, in the you know, old newspapers, but it was like this torrential whirlpool. And so they diverted some train tracks to go over the river, and then they just started sending in uh, huge train cars filled with like just stones and ash. And just dropping them in And the just hole. dropping them in. And they said that the, when they dropped like, I don't know, like 50, 60 cars in, just one after the other, and they said that it was like watching toothpicks go in. It just would like it would just crunch them together, and and they would just get sucked in and disappear. Wow! And it was like this torrential, like you know when you just Whirlpool see like effect Mother Earth and it, all of its power, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it just sucked it in. And so there was a couple miners who were able to escape, like they weren't in the immediate vicinity, and they were like underground for like three days, and they had to like navigate their way to an air shaft, and then this one guy. Like, he was able to shimmy up the air shaft and go out and get help to get those miners out. So he was, like, kind of a hero. But, I mean, it was uh, it was crazy. And then the mines that didn't flood um, caught on fire. And when you have a mine that catches on fire, it, it why never goes catch, out. Why does those ones catch on fire? I don't know. I actually don't know the story of that one. But that one's actually by my house. And there's um, part of the road that they repave every year because it drops about a foot and a half wow. every year. And you'll see smoke. Just coming up from the ground. Sti- it's still on fire down there? It's still there? on fire. Yeah. They said to put it out, they would um, – it's like – it's impossible to put out. Well, it's not impossible. You have it's your just, own personal hell in that town. Yeah, underneath. Oh, they've, and they've had a move. Like there's a town called Centralia where they had to move the entire town because the mines were on fire. And we have that, a small scale of that in um, where I grew up. Where in Laurel Run, they have like this, um, all these houses, and you could like hike by them, and you could see the former foundations of the houses. They had to tear them all down because the mines underneath were on fire and it wasn't safe. Oh and God. so you see the smoke coming up, and I didn't realize this was weird. I was like, oh, you guys don't have mine fires where you grow? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we do. And it's like, a, yeah. And so, like, all of our, the thing, like, like these, they call it anthracite coal, it's called black diamonds. And uh, yeah, it doesn't. It's just either flooded or on fire. Maybe we should consider solar power. Yeah, no. <laughs> you never heard of a solar power yeah. meltdown. Yeah, exactly. Something a little 
Berg, I feel like it's gotten to be Job like, you know, yeah. it's like some fucking Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, whatever. Or something that's not going to give the... give cancer. Yeah. <laughs> or like brown lung and black lung. Exactly. It's exactly. uh it's, it's, I, it's brown, amazing. I don't mind brown lung. Yeah, you that know? black lung's the killer. Yeah. Brown lung's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all right. Yeah. It, it was uh, but it's a sad like it's a it's a real like you know it's part of that manufacture. It's like kind of like Cincinnati, Cleveland. Like you have elements of that um yeah. that Rust Belt. Yeah. You know where you, you just have these manufacturing powerhouses, and you drive around now. And you're just hoping that they turn these industrial spaces into like lofts for artists to come in. And they do do that. They're the ones who always fix a neighborhood. Yeah. And then yeah. once they fix like or they come in and they take they start living in the bad areas. Yeah. And then they're the they're the the art kids are always the first ones there. Yeah. Because they just want cheap rent to work on their art. Yeah. And yeah. and big spaces. And and yeah, we like Cincinnati we have a lot of these there's a lot of big lofty former factory shits that you know and yeah. i think they do that in in uh yeah probably cleveland in, i've always wanted to live in like a big 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 space that, like that appeals to me as well actually just like a my buddy the coolest place i've ever seen he lived he lived in philly in this part outside a temple that was uh not nice and i remember my mom had just got a toyota corolla that i drove mm-hmm. it was like a 90 you know it was like a uh, what was it like a 2002 you know okay. so it was like in uh and I remember driving up there, and immediately we just had a bunch of guys come up and be like, what kind of drugs do you want? And we're like, no, no, no we live here. <laughs> they okay. were like, whoa, okay. really? Okay. And it was this massive factory space, just just huge. And every roommate had a different corner. Okay. And so the one corner was yeah. like, the guy was really into woodworking, so he had a shop there. They didn't, But they didn't have like, uh, they didn't set up partitions or anything? They had a couple partitions for their bed, but it was yeah. mostly like this like, where, like one guy built a room in the middle, but just attached to the ceiling. Okay. And like the living room was actually underneath his room, so it was okay. kind of like a weird feeling because it he he would climb up, kind of like a. I'm going to bed, guys. And then he would just like be sitting under. But it was so, I loved it because it was like that type of space where it was like kind of all about work and creativity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, there was a bed and like, but you know, you just slept in it and you woke up and then you just worked on whatever thing you were Did into. You, so you, you you don't build shit, but did you grow up doing any kind of art? Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. My um my whole family has like um our kind of we all have our own little artistic thing we're good at. I was really good at drawing. So okay. I could like and a lot I didn't get along with a lot of the kids in my neighborhood, so I would have spend like a lot of hours just inside drawing. Okay. And I'm really I was really good at copying. I could copy anything. Like but like looking at it, like if yeah. you looked at a photograph you could draw. Yeah, it. I would yeah. always like I would always copy like Comic book panels, which I didn't even read comic books. I just liked the art, and I would always but like you. You gained some popularity probably from drawing those. Yeah, I was able to like kind of like I was just like that kid who was like good at art and kind of yeah. funny, and that's how I got through. Yeah, uh, but I like drawing, and then I would do you know still lifes and charcoals and things like that. But I always just like um, you, you did it in school and stuff. Yeah, there was, it was a shame though. Like my college, I went to like you know they don't they didn't really have an art program. So, okay. I, but I was able to like take some electives where. I was in the honors program and it was great. You got to like create your own classes and I'm like, I want to learn how to like throw clay on a pottery wheel. And they're like, yeah. as long as you find a guy to teach it to you. So I, they had one art class and uh, I got along with the guy and I was like, Hey, will you teach me how to like throw a clay? He's like, yeah, sure. And that I, was like, I really want to do that. I took a couple classes it was fun. just a couple years ago, um, uh, uh, clay throwing and, um, it's super relaxing. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard, actually. It's like, well, it's like you got to get the air bubbles out, yeah. and then you just got to get it centered. Yeah, and then like, but like running your your thumbs in and shaping the clay, so like nice. it's it's crazy, like like zen and relaxing, and like you know, it's like it's and you just 
change the shape of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's a really like it's really weird. Yeah, it's super fun, and I yeah. liked. And I, I like just it was just a nice thing to go to every Tuesday for three hours and like mm-hmm. just get dirty with your hands and like yeah. make something. Mm-hmm. You know who cares if even if it like came out like shit? Right, like you made it. it. Can always be an ashtray. Yeah, <laughs> what? It can always just be a place to put your keys. Exactly. Most things that people make in pottery classes are just places to put your keys. Right, that's right. it. A little thing, yeah, or change. Right, yeah. yeah, and that's about it. Um, what, what got you interested in comedy and stuff like early on? Were you like the jokester in class and stuff? Yeah, I was always the class clown growing up. Um, but I never thought I would do comedy for a living. Like, not in my wildest dreams. My buddy once talked about that. He was like, yeah, he's like, it's like, it was like being an astronaut. Like, yeah, everybody would want to be an astronaut, but how the fuck do you go about being right. an astronaut? So I, um, but I did a semester, one of those semester C's in college. And, um, semester at sea? Yeah, like, it was like, like on a cruise ship? Yeah. Really? You ever hear about that? Yeah, they, I don't think so. They did. It was like a study abroad thing. Okay, uh, but on a sh- cruise ship. Yeah, there was a time in my life where I had a, a theory in my life called the Save by the Bell theory. Okay, where I was going to do everything they did on Save by the Bell, and there was one episode on Save by the Bell where she goes to do like a semester at sea. Kelly, who's Kelly? Okay, Kapowski. Uh, but then she stays for Zach. And I remember as a kid watching that episode, I'd be like, "Girl, you fucked up." She wait, wait. She goes, she goes back to to. Uh, they had a like. I remember they had the set. It was like the ship. Even as a kid, I was like, mm, "This is a bad set." And it was she was on the boat, and then Zach comes running up, and he's like, "Kelly, don't leave." And she's like, "Okay, I'll stay for you." And in That's my head, a- I was like. What the fuck is wrong with you, man? What's the moral of the story? Because like, like she should have gone. But give like, up on your goals for Zach goals. Morris? Yeah, yeah, Come yeah. on, that yeah. guy. You think he's going to be a good husband? No. You think he's going to be a good father? Philandering. Yeah. Oh, he's going to have some nights in a yeah. hotel bar that he's going to regret. Oh yeah. So I, um, when I went to college, they had a little that fair. You know, where it's like this is all the places you could right, go. Right, right. And in the middle of the ocean was semester at sea, and I was like, hey, did they do that on Saved by the Bell? And the guy like was looked at me and he's like, I. I have no idea. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I want to do that one. <laughs> and uh, I just worked like crazy. To, you didn't have Zach Morris back there to pull you down. No, no Zach yeah. Morris. Yeah. Although um, I guess it was known for being like a real party kind of thing. So I had to prove to my university like that I'm like, I'm going to go on it and be good. Uh, and I did it and they had a talent show on the last night. And uh, my buddy and I, who I was later in a comedy duo with, basically were like, I'll do it if you do it. He's like, I'll do it if you do it. So we each did stand up. I did a ton of jokes about the ship. Did you, you did you write stuff or you just kind of freestyle? Kind of. Like I wrote a, a set list. The day before or something? Well, I wrote like a little note to remind me. So it was like my first set list. And I remember like I was trying to practice it, but I kept getting so nervous that I kept going back to the beginning and restarting. Okay. And I never practiced the last things I want to say. Okay. And I didn't have it written out. And it was all stuff about the ship, like hyper- Specific right. observations, like but all these people could relate. Oh my god, it was the most relatable comedy. So you like, killed. I was like, hey, uh, you guys know that class? You know what classroom B? What's up with that weird drip? And everyone's right. like, oh my god, that drip! <laughs> I'm like, I'm studying, and there's a drip. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Hyper, hyper specific, and uh, yeah, I, I murdered. Like yeah. it was like it was like also it was like 800 people were there, and it was like having 800 people. We're at the end of this big long trip where we're all like feeling good and gonna go out and change the world. And it was like watching 800 people who wanted to see you succeed. Like all they did was want you to succeed. Mm-hmm. So like I just like lit it up. That spoiled you for the. Oh, it was one of the best sets of my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, 
I came back to Scranton and there was like absolutely no comedy. And so I just, I think I did it like, we had a talent show at my college. I did that. I think I did like once a year and I wanted to do it, but I just was like, I don't, I don't know how, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm one guy in a city and I feel like I'm the only guy who wants to do this. Hey, hey everybody, come here. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me for 15 minutes. No context. Just like, and so my buddy uh, who I actually did that show with, um, years later, I was, I went to California and I was writing these like little email posts about my time in California it basically was like blogging before blogging. Mm-hmm. Really wish I kept up with those because uh, apparently they were like people were sending them to their friends. Okay. And I have a lot of things in my life where I was on the cutting edge of something and then I just stopped doing it. And yeah, I was like, well, yeah. I probably should have uploaded those videos to YouTube when that guy told me about that because right, <laughs> right. I was making videos. I just didn't upload them to YouTube because I said, uh, quote, online video will never catch on. Right. End quote. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Send another VHS around. Yeah. Yeah. No, let's try and get this bar to play our VHS. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he basically was reading those, and he's like, hey, do you want to come out to Phoenix and start a magazine with me? And so... um, I'm sorry. This is the same. The guy you ended up partnering with. Yeah, my buddy Ryan. Yeah. Uh, And he's like, let's do a a comedy magazine. And he actually meant through, like, email and phone. Um, I thought he meant, like, do you want to move to Phoenix and start a comedy magazine with me? So I kind of just showed up, and I think... Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think he didn't think I was really going to come. Yeah. But, like, a week before, he's like, are you are you seriously coming out here? I was like, well, yeah, you asked me right. to. And he's like, uh... <laughs> he, like, told me when I got there, he's like, I just meant, like, over the phone yeah. and, like, email. And I was but like... it's nice and warm down there. I was like, uh, I'm, I was ready to get out of Scranton, yeah. so uh, I'm here. Yeah. And we started this magazine called Modest Proposal print comedy mag um all about like stand-up and sketch just kind of like this was only you had only done it that once yeah okay oh like in a i did it like maybe three times okay total maybe four and i remember we but you were a fan yeah and i and to me i was like i didn't think i was gonna do stand-up it was just something i tried that one time and i liked it and after a while we um the nice thing about doing a magazine back then like kind of before the internet really was the internet was you could just call people up and just say we called up David Cross's manager and we're like hey uh, we want to interview David Cross we're a magazine mm-hmm. and he's like oh okay how, how's tomorrow like 2pm we're like ooh that'll work right so we, t- we talked to all our heroes okay like Pat Oswalt Bob Odenkirk um, Neil Hamburger uh, Maria Bamford and you would just write it out in print You yeah we would you know, we uh, talked to him on the phone yeah. and um, we would uh, tape it and um, we like would hook it up to this tape recorder, and we tape it, and we transcribe it, and or we like turn it into like more of an article. Uh-huh. And we did this magazine for we did like six issues. It took us forever because neither of us knew how to do design, neither of us knew anything about photography. We didn't know anything about layout. Mm-hmm. Like he was a writer for his uh, Ryan was a writer for his paper. But, okay, like, that's it. And so it was basically like if we knew how much work it was going to be, we would never have done it. Right. It was just an insane amount, and it was just we were just constantly fucking up. But did that end up getting you relationships with some people? We just got to kind of like, I want to say, kind of, yeah, a little bit, but not like, it was more like, it was like, yeah, it did give us a, a relationship with people. And, but the bigger thing was that like, it just, we got to have like a, I mean, imagine if you're interested in doing something and then you get to talk to someone who's doing that for like an hour and just mm-hmm. ask them questions. Right. And then they're, and they're excited to talk to you because you're going to tell everybody about your conversation. That's what I do with the podcast in a way. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. pretty much the, yeah. and it's just was, so it was great. Like I learned so much and, um, it started to demystify stand up. Like it mm-hmm. didn't feel as 
impossible. It didn't feel like becoming an astronaut anymore. I just was like, oh, these guys just, you know, started doing it and then they just worked at it. And so finally we said like, we should probably do stand up. If we're going to do a magazine about stand up, we should probably do stand up. Mm -hmm. And so we would perform as a duo around town because we were like, how was the Portland scene? Uh, or Phoenix? Uh, I'm sorry, Phoenix. Non-existent. That's why I don't know why. Literally, up the P. The, yeah, it was the. There was a. There was nothing there. Nothing. Okay. Um, barely. There was a comedy school, like a comedy college, and we didn't want to do that because mm-hmm. that's the type of place where it's like, you're fat, make fat jokes. Right. You're bald. You're the bald guy, and right. we had no interest in becoming like that. Right. Um, but there was a lot of our friends who were in that class who were like hilarious, and um, we just walked into a bar. And we were trying to get ads, and the bar was like, yeah, 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 we'll take an ad. Um, hey, do you guys, like, do stand-up? And we had literally just started, like, two weeks ago. We're like, yeah. And he's like, well, we want to do a show here on Sundays. We don't have anything on Sundays. We want to do, like, a comedy show. Do you guys want to run that? And we're like, yeah, totally, totally. We knew absolutely no comics. Okay. And so we just were like, yeah, Sunday? Cool. All right, let's do it. And so to find people to do it. And then, like, yeah, we finally were, like, begging people from the class to come down to do this bar show. And we did it every single Sunday for like a year. You guys hosted every week? Yeah. And that was the funny thing is we would, um, we, we would work forever on our solo stuff. Like just painstakingly on our solo material. And then at the last second, we realized that there was no one to host. And so we're like, oh God, we got to find a host. And we're like, well, let's just go up and do it together. And we would just go up off the cuff in the moment and would just kill. Mm-hmm. As a duo, we would always kill because it, it was effortless. It was fun. It was in the moment. You, it was had, you had a rapport. And then, yeah. And then we'd go up as a solo and just eat a dick. Right. Like, right. Just so hard. Like we were just awful. Because you were trying too hard or something? Yeah. Trying too hard and focusing too much on the words and not yeah. the fact that this is an in the moment yeah. art form. Yeah. And, uh, but we kept going every single Sunday and it was, it was great. It was, uh, the bartender, Miguel, he would, um, if we did have a really good show, he would give us uh, free shots. And then if we had a really bad show, he would give us free shots. Okay. And so we so get wasted every we time. just get wasted every yeah. time. And he closed the doors and we'd hang out there after hours and his whole free shot thing was like he we had to drink whatever he made us. So he got to like make all these crazy shots okay. and like try it out on us. And the comics started to find out about it, and slowly a scene started to, like, develop, and other people started shows. And, uh, you know, and now it's actually, like, Phoenix has, like, I don't know, something like eight or nine comedy clubs. Like, an insane amount of comedy clubs. It's come up. And the indie scene is actually, like, I actually just was, two of the main shows actually just stopped. But that's all. That always happens with indie scenes. Tell me more about... Uh, comedy being an in-the-moment thing and, you know, like, how do you write something? So you can't, you can't write words. I'm I'm used to being so word-specific with what I do and, you know, and and painstakingly making sure each word is right. Uh Comedy's not like that, uh, but why? It can't, it can't, it all depends because I know comics were the same way and I'm like that to a degree. Like, I write, uh, I have a folder on my computer with all my jokes written out. Right. And a lot of comics are like, I do not do that. Because it'll fuck you up in a way, right? Well, I like writing it out just to have a, a record of it. Yeah. Because um, I'm really good at like, I'm really big into like record keeping and organization. Because I want, if I, I'm, there's jokes I haven't told in years, but I like the fact that the joke is on my computer and I can look at it 
And I can be like, oh, that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. Rather than thinking like, God, how does that joke go? And Because then I feel like, well, I lost it. Like, and that's, I know it's called sewer grate, but yeah. I uh, yeah. Sewer grate. And so I tend to like kind of write it out and have it word by word. But then when I perform it, it's a little bit more loose where I just try and hit the moments mm-hmm. rather than like the actual specific words. Maybe okay. for the punchline, I try and be a little bit, you know, I mean, there's certain phrases where I'm yeah. always going to say it like that. Yeah. I think a lot of times you're constantly adapting to the energy of the audience Mm -hmm. and you have to match the energy of the audience. So if you're, I'm a pretty big energetic comic, but like last night there was like 10 people there Mm -hmm. when we started. Mm -hmm. And so you can't come out too hot, too strong because people will like kind of lean back in their chairs and be like, Oh Jesus Christ, this this is, this is a lot. So you have to kind of match the energy of the audience and then go with them. So you're constantly like tailoring your energy to to that moment. Because you're trying to establish, um, you know, this relationship, which is weird because it's basically one-way communication, like from me to you. And I think a lot of it is just observing the audience and recognizing things. One of my biggest pet peeves is when comics won't call out the elephant in the room. Like uh, Mm -hmm. I saw a guy... And there was a dude on, like, his mic was cutting out. Right, and he didn't want to talk about it. He didn't yeah. reference it. And then the guy came up and was kind of, like, fiddling with the knobs. Mm-hmm. And everyone is looking at the guy fiddling right, with the knobs. Right, right, No one is looking at the comic on stage muddling through his joke. Everyone is looking at that. And you can see everyone looking at that. Right. So instead of pretending like it's not happening... Be in the moment. Be in the moment and be like... How's it going over there? Like, you know what? It, it will release the tension. It's mm-hmm. the easiest laugh in the world. Mm-hmm. You can say anything. And it's all about just being in the moment of what's happening and pointing that out. All that stuff, those mistakes that comics get mad at, all that shit is gifts. Like, it's like, it's all that things that happen. It's like, it takes you off. It takes you out of your comfort zone, which is good, I think, as a comic to, to exist most of your life outside your comfort zone because it, that makes your comfort zone bigger, makes you a better performer. And so I, I'm always surprised when people like don't live in that moment. Like they kind of come up and just press play. What does this do for you? Like what what do you feel like it feeds within you that that that? Well, listen, man. I made like you know forty dollars in merch sales last night. So <laughs> yeah, that's what it does yeah. for me, buddy. Yeah. It, it affords me to live my uh, glorious lifestyle, like a like a pauper prince <laughs> of eating garbage food every yeah. day yeah. and uh, drinking beer. I figured that's why I made you some eggs. <laughs> it was delicious, by the yeah. way. I was yeah. very impressed. Good. I mean, um, I think for me, it's like I'm the youngest of five, which a lot of comedians are always the youngest. Hey, listen to me. Listen yeah. to me. I like attention. Yeah. I mean, people are like, oh, like someone was like, oh yeah, you're comedian, so you want attention. You're like, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people like attention. Mm-hmm. It's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. It, but it was because uh, I, I used to be the class clown. I used to be the loud guy. Um, I used to be like just the big ridiculous guy. But when I got into comedy, I really like. Once I had that part of my life satisfied on stage every night for ten minutes or whatever, I totally like chilled out and other chill aspects on the of my life. The rest of life. Yeah, I just was like, oh, I don't, I don't need it because I have it already. I get it every night, mm-hmm. and uh, for me, I just like. Um, I think there's very, something very pure in one person, a microphone, and that's it. I do like that as well. Like, and to, to be able to be entertaining for 45 minutes, to be an hour to type, and people can leave. And to have them still mm-hmm, sit there mm-hmm. and watch you and listen to the things you have to say, like, I think there's something very um, powerful and 
really impressive and oh, yeah. incredible. It's an art, man. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there's so many different kinds. Like, there's so many different kinds of comedians. I mean, there's the stream of consciousness comedians. There's the guys who are just one-liners, which they're extremely meticulous and mm-hmm. finely tuned. You know, and there's the people who are like um, just crowd work, you mm-hmm. know, and you don't, they're working in bits, but you don't even know they're working in bits because they're just right, kind of weaving them in and out. Yeah and, yeah. It's, and then there's like guys like me who kind of have written out jokes, but then like, you know, maybe futz around a little bit on stage. Like there's so many different shades of, uh, you know, of stand up that mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's infinitely entertaining to go out and watch. And there's a lot of bad stand up, like yeah. stand up comedy shows, to be honest, for the most part terrible it's people working towards something though you know yeah and i feel like that's super or working something out in their lives in a way maybe. i mean I, I think that that's really interesting mm-hmm. when you get to see that that process mm-hmm. uh I, I, I that's what i do is i think i do it because i really enjoy the process because all stand-up is for me is, it's just puzzles you're just constantly i like puzzles mm-hmm. and so you'll have an idea for a bit like i i want to write a joke about marching bands because mm-hmm. i just think it's weird that like you have to march around and make music. Mm-hmm. Like I just like why it's not stationary. Like why there has to be a mobility element. I have no idea what I'm gonna do. That but that's like the core idea. Is like oh that's weird that you have to walk around and make music. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So that's like a puzzle that I now have to figure out. Right. Why is that weird? What and, is it? Yeah. And also I'll try it on stage and it won't go well. And then I'll try it again and then I'll be kind of, there'll be one part that's funny and then I'll try it again. And then I'll do that over and over and over again until I finally get it where it's this minute and a half bit about marching bands. That's really fun. But you have to do that in front of people. You can't sit in a silent, uh, you know, sun drenched room. And and uh, sort that out. Well, certainly not in Cincinnati. I mean, no. it's overcast like crazy right All now. All the time. Yeah. It's you can like write it out, but you have to like you have to put those. You have to put it up and see what happens. And right. that's the frustrating part about stand up is that one audience will love it, mm-hmm. and then the next audience will just be really lukewarm. Lukewarm. And it's there's so many variables out of your control mm-hmm. that. There's not really a reason. You, you can never find a reason why. You just got to keep – I tend to keep working on bits until they have like a good track record where, yeah, it may, may not be funny all the time, but it's going to be great the majority of the time. Right. You know? Um, it's, it'll get some kind of reaction, a positive reaction. But that's why I like it because I like puzzles. I like the process of figuring things out. It keeps me creatively engaged, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's good for the brain. Do you hone your delivery as well, like it's in a similar manner? Not really. I think the delivery just kind of came as more of a, like it's like people always say you got to find your voice and not to look for it. It kind of just finds you. Yeah. How, how do you find that? Like what's your character? Like, I don't know. That I don't, I don't know. Are you on stage more or less like who you are, you know, in real life, but it's more amped up. I yeah. Guess. It's, it's definitely more an exaggerated mm-hmm. sense of self. Um, and amped up. That's a good way of putting it. I don't know even like people have told me like, oh, your voice is super specific. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? Well, how would you how would you describe it? Because I, I honestly don't know. I just at least for tone, I just kind of go up. I'm I, I like act outs. You know, yeah. I, I like to. Yeah, you're a good actor, so you should use. I like that. taking the. Yeah, I like being like the loud guy. I think to me that's fun. Like one a friend once told me, he's like, Ron, the quicker you get to the act out, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all right. And it's fun for me. That's the part that's fun for me is getting to like be all these different kinds of, you know, weird people or mm-hmm. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's just fun. Like I enjoy, I enjoy it. And a big, th- I, I always felt like, well, if I'm having fun, 
the audience is probably having fun too because people like watching people have fun. Right. That's like one thing I definitely know for a fact is that people like watching people have fun. And that's the only thing I'm for sure on in comedy. Absolutely. And you, on this tour, you're rolling around in this Mercedes. Harvey. So how – you say you say you're sponsored. Yeah. Did they just get like off you the car? To oh, do you mean by MercedesMotoring.com? <laughs> that's MercedesMotoring.com. Wow, what a difference. <laughs> MercedesMotoring.com. <laughs> yeah, they – my buddy – actually owns the company. I actually okay. met him on Semester at Sea, and he, uh, I was telling him about the tour I was going to do. I was like, I want to do a, a really big tour. I'm going to drive, like, for three months, which is way too Foolish. long. Yeah, I, I should have tapped out. Yeah. Like, I should be ending it, like, right yeah. now, because yeah. I'm, I don't know how many. You're, you're a month and a half in? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm just about. Three I'm, months is long. I'm, I've done three-month tours. It's long. It's, yeah, it's long. You're worn the fuck out. Man. And it's yeah. and I'm like, I just, I looked at a I couple mean, it photos. Gets It'll get better. <laughs> I looked at a couple of photos of me that someone took, and I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, so I've been gaining weight. <laughs> and it goes, yeah. all my T-shirts. I'm like, why are my T-shirts shrinking? And I'm like, yeah. no, I just, I got a little, I've been so eating. You, a lot of sitting in the car, a lot of, yeah. So a lot you of don't, skyline chili. You don't have the gear to to, to, to schlep that, that uh, keeps you... Uh, felt not uh, as much. That's one thing. Is like, oh man, at least I'm not a musician. Like, I don't have yeah. to carry shit. Yeah, but that's what keeps you. You know, that's what keeps you gaining weight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you have a lot of stuff you got to sh- schlep around? We do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, you would a huge band. Yeah. Um, oh, the Mercedes Motoring is. Yeah, they. Uh, he just offered me one of his cars, so I got this 1975 Mercedes Benz 300D named Harvey after the color of the car, which is Harvest Beige. It's absolutely. Gorgeous, it's beautiful. It's, I saw it when you were rolling out last night. It's yeah. It's a do, you, gorgeous do you get car. to keep it when you get home? Nope. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you can buy it. Yeah. It's uh. It's for. Uh, it's going for twenty six thousand. It smells like farts and chili in here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't let anybody smoke in it, <laughs> and I don't eat in the car. I've been keeping like insanely good insane. care of it. Good. But it's mm-hmm. like uh. Yeah. It's it's weird because it's it's actually. That's my dream car. Like I've always wanted to drive that exact car. Yeah. Because I've always loved the look of it. And those cars are known to go like half a million miles. Oh, wow. So they'll go – like right now it's like 100,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. And if you just service it and – That's low for a 1975. That's crazy. Yeah, it's like driving out a brand new 39-year-old car. Yeah. I'd describe it as like sitting in a lazy boy, but there just happens to be a car around it. Mm-hmm. It's the most comfortable and it's incredibly spacious on the inside. But then from the outside, it's extremely – like it's tiny. Like it's yeah. really easy to park. But if you open up the trunk, it is – it's like a four-body trunk. Yeah. You could fit four bodies <laughs> yeah. in there easy. I mean, it is this, it's like a, it's the perfect road car because I'm able to put all my camera gear and T-shirts and all that stuff in the trunk so none of it's in the car because if you don't want your stuff broken into, don't keep anything in your car. Yeah. That's visible. Um, but he, I've been driving it and just talking about it a little bit on stage. and like I post a ton of pictures on Instagram, uh, which is at Hey Ron, and like that's pretty much it. And I'm trying, just asking people to like Mercedes Motoring on Facebook. And uh, my goal uh, is basically just to like keep talking about them. And then there's somebody out there who's like, you know, I always wanted like a vintage Mercedes. They buy it, and they buy one of their cars. Like these yeah. guys are like the 
Then what happens to what do you get for that? Nothing. I, I, I get to I get to say, yeah. Hey, can I borrow a car again on my next tour? Right, right. You can always borrow a car because yeah. it's it's like a really. I mean, these this guy who runs it. I mean, he's like my buddy, but he's one of the most like OCD dudes mm-hmm. I have ever met in my entire. That's life. That's not the kind of guy you want if you're using his car. That's no. That's the kind of guy you want restoring your car. Right. That's it's true. Like that's he, true. He, um, I just mean if you fuck it up. Like, oh no, he's like, yeah, I've been taking, but I'm pretty like that too, though. Yeah. So that's why I think he's letting me do it. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna take good care of it. But he uh, has this thing with this mechanic. So when he gets the cars, he sends them to this Richard, this mechanic who's been working on Benzes for like 40 years, mm-hmm. and he just drops the car off, and then, and then the mechanic, mechanic, uh, they they tell him how much it costs when he picks it up. He's like, do whatever you have to do. So he doesn't even tell him he's what... Like, he just drops off. He's like, make it perfect. Right, right. And he's like, tell me how much it costs later. Wow. And I'm like, that's the most badass thing I've ever that heard. That is badass. Just to go to a mechanic and just go fix everything. Yeah. And then he'll leave it there for weeks. <clears throat> and the guy like knows everything about these cars. And then they'll do... They'll strip down the entire interior. They'll vacuum everything. They put everything in one by one. They'll reupholster the seats with original leather. Like they... Everything is always original. And then they pop in, like, the only thing they do that mods it is they put in uh, these woven mats that they customize that look really, really tight. They're uh-huh. actually much nicer than what the car originally comes with. And then they put in uh, Bluetooth. And a, C- and a CCR8 track. Just for- <laughs> and, yeah, and a CCR8 track, of course. But and they got, like, little... Uh, That's cool. So you got, you know... You That's some L.A. shit right there. Yeah, you got the high I got tech. Bluetooth in my 75 Mercedes. Oh, it's great. It's- I, I've had two ex... I have two ex-girlfriends who had... Basically that car. Really? Yeah. And how did it drive? Uh, I I mean, well, one of them was a two door. Uh, okay. So it's not that exact model, but like a mid seventies Benz. Um, one of them was a two door. That one was in pretty bad shape. Mm-hmm. It drove. It drove okay. It, it didn't. It only had four gears. I want to say. Okay. Um, so it, didn't, it on the highway it was a little, you know, iffy. The other one was. A powerhouse in a way. It was it was more like a boat, probably more like like what yours is to drive. It uh-huh. really just felt like you're just chilling, you're uh-huh. just like just gliding. And I'll be. I, I'm sad to say that those days, I always drove when I was with her. It was that kind of relationship. Yeah. And there were some times where I had had a few drinks at night, and it, yeah, you just you feel like you're really just, just like gliding. Yeah, all it's over. it's weird because it's. I uh, don't do that anymore, and I don't even drink anymore at all. But. Uh, and kids, please do not drink and drive. Yeah, well, that, that's a. I also agree with that statement. Without saying. I do drink, but not when I drive. Yes, I um, I like the. It, it, I like the fact that when you start it, it's kind of like a. It's like, yeah. It like lets you know it's working. Yeah. Like and I, I love that feeling. It has that weird. What's the weird? There's like a. There's the button and the key and the button. Right. Oh, it's like glow the, plugs. Right. So you have to turn the key yeah. two notches, and this yellow light comes on because it's uh, it's not on. It's a diesel, so it's not based on. That's right. Spark plugs like yeah. gasoline. It's based on compression, so it like takes a while for it to compress to get the engine started, and then when the yellow light goes off, that's when you start it. And man, if it's cold, I like I just painted a Prius behind me with smoke this morning. Oh man, because yeah. it kicks out all this diesel smoke. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's but the, the diesel, it's like it burns dirtier, but it burns more efficiently. Like that, and you gets, could do biodiesel if you wanted, right? Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous about that, only because a lot of times some of the biodiesel, it's, it's really dirty and mm-hmm. it'll gunk up the engine. I see. But I'm wondering, like, I'm, I'm I want to read more about that. It'll just take it to the dude, man. Because you could still run diesel on biodiesel, which would be kind of cool to have right, both. Right, that's right, that's right. But it's uh, yeah, it's like a twenty-five to thirty MPG, so it gets it's been getting great, great gas mileage. Yeah, and like diesel's good, man. I thought it was gonna be slow, 
but man, it's like, it's a little bit slow, like merging onto a highway. Like it's not as fa- anywhere fast as like a brand new car. Mm-hmm. But, so you got to like be a little mindful, but man, once it gets going, like I got it going it's got, up to, man, it's got the inertia. I got a night going 95 yeah. and I was going uphill. I mean, I've been wow. like blowing by cars and it's like it, the it's fast, a heavy car. So if oh, it, once yeah. it gets going, it wants to keep going. Exactly. And it's really like smooth. It's, that's the crazy thing. The, the faster you drive it, the smoother it gets. Mm-hmm. And man, we're giving this guy like a 15 minute long ad. I, I can talk about this car forever. Yeah. I just like him. Uh, but I'm actually, that's my hope is that someone will be like, I want to buy Benz. And if you do just buy it from this guy, cause it's like 26 grand, which is a lot of money, but it's basically like it's classic. It's like my dream car I'm getting for the price of like a Ford focus, right? Like a standard Ford focus. Right. And this no problems yet. I've had not one single, and I've driven it more. They than, keep they keep keeps them crispy clean, and they're like you just like. if you don't like it, as long as you get an oil change every three thousand miles, mm-hmm. you're fine. Mm-hmm. And you could drive these things like tanks, but right, yeah, I'm enjoying it. So when when did you go from uh, Phoenix to L.A. or did you move elsewhere? No, I went straight from Phoenix. I didn't want to move from Phoenix. I was just finally like after th- I spent three years in Phoenix. And at the end of the like the last month, uh, I, I got a car for the first time ever. I got a girlfriend. Um, I had I lost my virginity super late, and I recently like had sex. How and, old were you? Uh, I was I was uh, uh, let's just say, say this is great. This let's is just say if the if the about. if the radio was playing, it might have been getting hot in there. To give you a little bit of, a I have no idea what you're Nelly. trying to say. Um, oh, it's getting uh, hot in here. Yeah, twenty six. You were 26. 26. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's old. Super Catholic growing up. Okay. 26. And then I think uh, the technical term is I went crazy after that. And, and then just, and just went crazy. Yeah. Um, and now I'm just like, you know, a normal dude. <laughs> but do you, do you have a girlfriend now? Or no, no. Do you tend to have girlfriends or you tend to be single? I did have, I didn't tend to have girlfriends. And then I was in like four one-year relationships, one after the other. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed that that was a pattern. And I was like, maybe, maybe you should just be by yourself mm-hmm. for a little while. Um, so I don't have a, a girlfriend, but I'm kind of like, I'm ready. Are you ready for it? I'm ready 35, for it. 35, yeah. Yeah, I'm on I'm like, It's not like I, I don't that way. want one. It's yeah. like I'm just like – but I'm also like I want to – if I'm going to like – you know, just settle down with someone. It's like, well, yeah, man, let's, uh, like, you better be cool. Like, I mean, the right situation. I like a girl who's like, can tell a good story. I like a girl who has her own thing. Like, I don't want my thing to become your thing. I I, I love it when a woman has her own thing. Mm -hmm. I find it Mm -hmm. so unbelievably attractive when like she has ambition and stuff that she's working on. I just think that's like the coolest thing. And I like a girl who can tell like, come home from work and be like, guess what happened to me today? And tell a good story, mm-hmm. and like to ha- where I'm like, what happened next? Yeah, that that if a girl can that's make me gift. laugh, that's a rare gift. If a girl can make me laugh, I'm like, I just that's, that's I the bottom line. Melt. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I swoon pretty hard. She has to make you feel at ease. Yeah, because I don't want to be like, I've definitely been that guy where I've been the entertaining one in the relationship, yeah. and it's like, huh, that's so much work. Yeah, you be the funny one. I'll right. just sit here and so it sounds like you make need, you coffee. You need, you need a comic. No, that's the <laughs> I oh man, I've dated so many comics. Yeah. And it, it seems like such a good idea. Oh, it's not. It's not it's fun in the moment because they get it. Mm-hmm. They understand they're never gonna give you shit about doing a show. Right. Ever. They're like, yeah, you got a show, go. They always get it. But it's just 
too much of the same. Too much the yeah. same. I mean, I, I once dated an improviser, and that was kind of fun because kind of like same world, different countries. What the fuck do they do? They're just like, like – they do like improv shows. Yeah, and they're like – so it's like they're – but it's like it's where they get it. But then it's like you don't necessarily see each other run in the same circles. Mm-hmm. And it's it's similar, but it's different. But I love when I meet a girl who like makes stuff or mm-hmm. – like it's a you know paints or sculpts so something or photography in the arts, probably yeah and it's like I think that that stuff is like I just like that I think okay. it's always really cool so uh, and anything about um, if this is your dating pro, your your online verbal dating profile yeah uh, what does she look like what um, <laughs> just the dark brown hair and kind of fair skin I've always been like you know girls who look really good in like fall. Right. You know those you girls who look girl. like they're made for autumn? What are you doing autumn? in L.A. then? Man? I know, man. I like the sunshine too much. Yeah. I can't. I grew up in Scranton. I mean, it's the same as Cincinnati. Yeah. It's just overcast all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I can't hear you. I need it, the man. sun as well. I can't. I can't. I get so sad and, and like, depressed. And, like, Not same here. I'm leaving for the winter, man. I'm finding somewhere to really? go. Really? Yeah. Where do you want to go? Well, originally I was going to go to L.A. Now I'm like... Cleveland? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. No, now, now I'm looking at all these like destinations in the Caribbean, like somewhere like... Shut up, like really? A cheap, like a pretty cheap... Uh, Just like Airbnb or Airbnb, something? Airbnb, yeah. Dude, that would be amazing. Yeah. That would be... I, there's so many like cheap little paradise. It's affordable, paradise. man. It's really affordable. I was looking at places like in like Mexico, and yeah. I was like, no way. This is like 40 bucks or mm-hmm. 30 bucks a night? Like, And it's this beautiful... Go there with a project yeah, and just exactly. like exactly focus on it. Get your son. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I want to start doing that. Where in comedy, where I was like going to all these different cities. Like, I would wish I could spend more time in Cincinnati and mm-hmm. just like just hang out. Mm-hmm. And I would love to go into cities like Denver and Chicago and just stay there for like one month mm-hmm. and like rent out a place, like sublet my place back in L.A. So I have like no costs. Yes, and just rent out a place. And then I should um, sublet this place. Oh yeah, if you can, if you have somebody to like look after it, this would be a perfect Airbnb, especially for this neighborhood. That's true, actually. I could put it on there. Ooh, I mean, good point. Can, good point. You know, make some makes. And if you pay somebody here to like come I by, put all my like, shit away though. Look at do that, that though. Look at the studio, man. Nah, shit's fucking. Dude, you just put a padlock on that. Lock that door. You think That's so? It. Yeah, they don't need to go in there. They're not interesting. Yeah, That's you know, an interesting idea. There's a second bathroom in there too, though. Fuck them. They could use one. Just have the bathroom. Monsters. You're right. That'd be, that's an interesting <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting so if aggressive. If I had that, I could throw all my other shit in that room and yeah. just padlock it. Cover it with sheets, padlock it. Yeah. Be like, this is where the bodies are. Don't yeah. open it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea. I, I, I want to go into the, do the same thing and just go into scenes for a month and have like a project. Yeah. And that's it. And like, so work on the project during the day and then go out and do stand-up at night. Like, you know, take a day off, two days off every week, go to museums and shit. Mm-hmm. And like... That's it. That's an ideal lifestyle. And then just go do that in a couple different cities? What if you had a lady friend that you could do that with? Oh, that would actually be tight. Alone is kind of, I mean, it's cool to do it alone, actually, but it also be It gets alone. tiring. Yeah. Um, I spend a lot of time alone. Yeah. Do you? Y'all, yeah. Uh, are, do you like it? Uh, part of me feels like I need it. The sun's coming out, by the way, Ron. Oh, I know. I could feel it on my... It's beautiful. We need that. This is gorgeous right um, now. So... Part of me feels like I need that alone time. Part of me feels like I would like it if I had the balance of having someone in my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I see, you know, I, my, my my brother and his wife live, you know, one mile up the road. And my other bandmates live right over there as well. So, you know, I so have, you're not like a hermit. I'm not a hermit, no. Yeah, but I'm I definitely like, 
I'm not a hermit either. I'm always out, but boy, do I like coming home to yeah. a quiet house. Yeah, no, I do too. Yeah. I do too. That it, it, I definitely like that as well. Well, but that's yeah. That, it gets old after a while. It gets old to be just always like that. Yeah, and it's but then the other side of it is like, it gets old, and then when you're in a relationship, that can that gets old. There's elements of that that get like really annoying. Yeah, where it's like I don't stop. Do can you we just stop do you talking? Date, do you date girls a lot? Um, like like casual like, are you on the the internet things? I was and then I delete. I get so annoyed. I, I keep. To, I just. I got. Yeah, I was on it and then I stopped it just because I got sick and tired of like spending my entire day being clever. Yeah. Like I felt like on Tinder I was constantly sending out messages and trying to be funny. Yeah. And I was like, man, if I put this much work into my jokes, like right, I'd probably right. be further along. And then I would meet up with the girls. Or these women and they, they were perfectly nice but I just know from the moment I met them it, there wasn't this that really happening wasn't that yeah. spark like yeah. that thing where it's like it was just like a kind of a really nice interview you yeah. know like uh huh yeah well that's nice oh so you're a comedian what's that like and there wasn't that spark so that I prefer to meet someone in real life because I, you'll see someone and you're like who the hell is that yes. and then you'll just start talking to them and right. there's that spark and I find that so much so more. So do you do that and you make that work for yourself? Yeah. I mean I date like a little bit. I met um, I met one girl right before I, I left L.A., which was kind of like literally like four days before I left on this trip. And she was like just great. And, yeah, and I was so – You have to do this now. And I'm leaving I, in four days. Well, I told her. I was like we went out for drinks and I was like, you know, I'm leaving in four days. She's like, I know. And I was like, oh, gosh. They, they love that. Like, it's sailor style, man. It's straight sailor. <laughs> Baby, I'm being called to the ship. Hey, gotta go. Yeah. See you later. They love it. I'll talk to you when I'm back in port. Yeah. I'll buy you something. Uh, but no, see, I was a little bummed because it's like, that's happened to me before where right before I leave town for like these little tours, I'll always meet someone who's like, wow, she was really nice and pretty and like just Come back. Sweet. She's married with three kids. Yeah. We've been keeping in touch though. Okay. She might actually, I don't know, maybe she'll come. Visit me I mentioned something. married three kids and it happened during the time. Oh. <laughs> Be like, well, I was, I was only gone for three months. Yeah, yeah. Did you adopt? Yeah. How's, how'd that work? Fast tracked it. Wow. I didn't know that was possible. Seems excessive. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I'm definitely looking to like, I, I wouldn't mind settling down. Yeah. Um, it's, it's weird though. It's like, it's also, I feel bad for women because like, You'll meet a girl who's like 34, who's awesome. And she's like, well, are we going to do this or not? Because I got to... I need it now. And I got a yeah. biological... And it's like, I don't I don't fault them. Like, to me, I'm so glad that I don't have to deal with anything like that. But it definitely makes us, like, the assholes. Because like, we're like, me, I don't know. Give me a minute. Just figure it out. Can we yeah. just, like, hang out for two years and yeah. just kind of maybe? Yeah. <laughs> it's just the biggest... Like, because, like, and from us, from our perspective, it's like, dude, I don't, I don't want to, like... You don't want to make that commitment, yeah. What's the rush? And then, well, there is a rush if you you want to have kids. Yeah. Are most people in Cincinnati married? They they should have been thinking about that 10 years ago. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Most people in Cincinnati are married, yeah. I'm hard-pressed to to find a woman uh, of a certain age that that is not already taken. Man, I bet you girls are trying to lock you down like crazy. No, I wouldn't say that. Got your hair... (laughs) Got your glasses, this house. I like me. I'm a musician. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, would you like me to make you eggs on my granite countertop? Oh, man. I bet girls are just like falling over themselves. I, no, I mean, I, you'd be surprised that it's not the case, really. 
But you know, and I, I guess I tend to, you know, I'm attracted to younger, younger girls anyway. Who isn't, right? Yeah, right. Oh man. Um, but you know, appreciation of the choir over here. Yeah, and that's and that's who's available. Yeah, you know. But uh, then when you get a little closer, you realize that there's a pretty big gap in uh, most of the time. I'm not gonna say all the time, you know, but most of the time, pretty big gap in your sort of experience and understanding of the world in a way or, oh, or, or God, yeah. you know they, I'm they're still in party mode and you know yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've been dragged around into situations that like I would never be in because yeah. I'm like following some like fucking 22 year old yeah, also you're in like, some dubstep party yeah you're exactly like, what the I'm fuck like, am I doing am man I doing here? why is yeah. there so many people in hats yeah it's <laughs> nighttime. like yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Man, I, I sometimes I meet a girl now, and when she tells me she's in her 30s, I'm like, the weirdest things I'm attracted to now. Like, when she's like, yeah, I'm 33, I'm like, whoa, for real? Yeah. Like, yeah. one girl told me she was Slovak, and I'm Slovak, and I was like, really? That's like, that, like, you're Slovak? That's yeah. so, So wow. do you, are we, is that something that, like, you, you're supposed to marry a Slovak? No, or? no, nothing like that, but like I just thought it was girl. cool. Like, yeah. I was like, Eastern European, I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, how are you doing? Are you connected to that? A little bit. My mom is. I'm second generation, so my grandfather was actually a coal miner in uh, in the mines in Northeast Pennsylvania. Did he get killed? Uh, no, he. Um, but he did was mining. He had a, a large rock okay. uh, fall on him because they didn't shore it up enough. With like, usually you have these timber poles you use to help keep the mines up, and there was a massive piece of coal that was dislodged and fell on him. So they thought he would never walk again, but he actually he actually did. He just had to use a cane for mm-hmm. the rest of his life. Okay. So, um, such a fucking dangerous, the most dangerous job in the world. I don't understand how, like, that's why, and they still do it. I get so annoyed when people, solar fucking power people, there's a way. Yeah, you don't gotta go in the ground for that. Yeah. Just slap the damn thing on your roof and you're done. Exactly. I I don't understand, like, I get so annoyed with people when they constantly complain about things because I'm like, listen, man, you don't have to work in a factory. Mm -hmm. You don't have to work in a mine. Like, I was thinking about that the other day. Our jobs, our shitty jobs today are so much less shitty than the jobs of our grandparents. And even even that, like, what you and I do is a whole nother level of awesome. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, did you not get on Conan yet? Like, come on, man. (laughs) Yeah. I get to travel and, like, drink local beers all the time and, like, just see, like, it's a pretty... Even if it doesn't work out in the way I want it to work out, it's not a bad way to spend a life. How do you feel about that? About being like more or less a blue collar version of? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, like that. I mean that's what I am as well. Like, yeah. I make I make a, a a meager wage. I do fine. I yeah. I, but it's not. I'm not. You know, I'm not TV on the radio or Wilco or or whatever. Yeah. Like these larger bands. I think it's become. I think I almost have too low of expectations. I've had people tell me, like, it's okay to want more. I had my manager tell me that once. She's like, it's okay to want more. Yeah, of course, she's going to say that. Yeah, yeah. And But I was, because I'm... 10% of it. Or I, I try to be very happy with what I have. Uh, just because I've seen, like, people who don't have much. And, like, I'm like, well, I should be pretty stoked just to have this. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like... But then I also... My big fear is, like, what if... I'm 35 right now. So what if 15 years, what if I hit 50 and I'm still living in like a studio or one bedroom, still doing the same goddamn thing I mm-hmm. am now? Maybe I got a few more credits, but what if like I never meet the right girl and it's like this whole lifestyle is super fun right now, mm-hmm. but there's a point where it's like, hey, guess what? All your friends, when you hit 40, are married, 
right. have kids. They don't go out anymore. Definitely. Like, am I going to be the guy who's hanging out with a bunch of, like, you know, I don't know, they're six right now. Like, am I going to be hanging out with, with them when they're 20? Like, right, right, right. Like, am I going to just be in this part of my life for the rest of my life? And that's kind of scares me because I'm like, I don't think that that's all it's cracked up to be. Because mm-hmm. I see those guys and they just, you know, go back to their houses alone and I'm like that doesn't seem fun no you know so so is is this the age is this the time to seize the day I don't know yeah I mean I seize the I like doing what I'm doing and I feel like I'm I feel like this tour has made me so much better yeah like I feel stronger as a comic I feel much more loose in the moment I feel like it's also stripped away parts of the jokes that don't work or that are, are unnecessary. Like, I feel like it's making my act much more leaner mm-hmm. and tighter. I mean, you're definitely workshopping it. I mean, you're doing, yeah. you know, three months of fucking yeah. nightly one-nighters, right? I mean... It's it, like there's going to be a change, you know, there has to be. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying this. Um, I don't know what... I almost don't... I've been planning this for a little bit. It took a, like took like two months of planning. It's on Facebook forever. Just, mm-hmm. I had to send out at least 10,000 messages. I put the whole thing together myself. Yeah, that's a lot. And man. just trying to find different scenes. And like, now that I know people in every scene, it will be so much easier. Because mm-hmm. I know them, they've seen me do well. Go back on the circuit. Yeah, they'll have me back and fine. But it's a little hard in the beginning when you're like, hey, I'm this guy. Can I come and headline your show? Right. Here are my credits. Here's a link to my stand. You know, it's a, but it's a little bit like a... It's like, who the fuck is this? You know, so you got to kind of earn it. And yeah. then once you come and do a good job, then every, everybody's like, oh, that guy's cool. He's fine. Right. And then, some, you know, some of the places you won't, won't want to go back to, obviously. Yeah. So far, I've actually really, even the small shows, mm-hmm. like last night was a small show, but it was still like really fun. Mm-hmm. So I almost, good people. I almost prefer smaller shows in a way. Less pressure in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Because if it's sold out, I have to kill. Right. Like if I'm not killing when it's sold out, like, whoa. That's that's on me, man. Mm-hmm. Like they're here, stage is here, microphone's working. What's the problem, Babcock? Right. Like so, I I put so much more pressure on myself to do exceedingly well when there is a huge crowd. But when there's just a couple people, it's like I kind of I think I'm almost a better comic to watch because I'm more loose and just kind of fucking around and taking more chances. So I'd like to get to the point where I want to push myself outside my comfort zone more and take more chances on stage. Which means be more okay with failing. Mm-hmm. That's all you're saying when you're taking chances. Is you're basically saying, well, it's not always going to work out. You do, so you just got to learn to be okay with like right. failing. And that's a weird thing to become okay with. But that's also the point where you know, real the magic can really exactly. happen because you're real vulnerable. You're yeah. real open to, to good or bad. Yeah. And you got to go and you just got to realize like, it's okay. It's okay to fail. Mm-hmm. It's fine. And I'm constantly like reminding myself that it's okay to fail. Stakes are high. You really got to be in the moment. Yeah. You know? And it does. You're like, yeah, you're, you're really just taking a chance and it doesn't always work and it gets yeah. weird. But then you also realize you're like, well, I got stuff in my back pocket that I can do that'll make the crowd laugh. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can always pull that out when you have a bunch of jokes that you know tend to go over well. Yeah, you're more inclined literally to like, in your back pocket. Yeah, <laughs> and then you'll you're more inclined to like take chances and yeah. have fun. I, I and uh, you know at, in regards to sort of the idea of what happens when you're you know forty fifty. You know, I think you can't really think about that. You just got to kind of stay. I don't. Uh, yeah. Keep your keep your your head your head down and keep 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 moving forward with what you're doing. I think, and uh, you know, I think things will 
turn into what they are. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that. that it, also, people move into uh, even more success later on. A lot of times, too. You know, that's how I always look at it. Is I've always been the for me personally. Like I've always been a guy who's gotten good at things. It takes me longer to get good at mm-hmm. stuff. Like I didn't figure out. I was bad at sports forever. Um, I was bad at girls forever. Like I didn't feel like I became comfortable around women till like 31. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I it took me forever to learn to read well. Like I was like, I was in the third grade. I had trouble reading. Like, you know, it, like every aspect of my life lost my virginity late. Like I started like smoking weed really late. Like it, all these things, like I just do, it takes me either longer to figure out or I start it later than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I feel like comedically, like I didn't get, I didn't get really good until like um, I feel like eight years, five years was when I was like I kind of like it clicked a little bit, and then eight years it clicked again. Eight years in, yeah, I'm yeah. eleven years in now, and I feel like I'm it's I'm on the verge of it mm-hmm. clicking to like you, you another click? level exactly. Yeah. You get up to that point where you're like, oh, okay, and I, then I can amp, b- b- bump it up even more. Yeah. yeah, where you just become much more comfortable and it always takes me a long I mean I've seen people who've been doing it for five years and they're in a much better position than me like from like career wise but you also can't like you can't play that game because no. you're, you're never you're always going to lose that game yeah, once exactly. you start that, comparing even, yourself no matter how, how well you do you always will want to do better yeah it's the American dream yeah you know, that's the end of the great Gatsby right there yeah. and it's like you can it's either ruinous. let that you can let that motivate you, but you can't let that control you because you'll just never win and you'll even just if, feel bad. I, even if you let that motivate, I mean, yeah, you're right. Motivate fine, but like it, it does affect you. But not too much because yeah. like I don't want to be fueled by revenge. No, like, exactly. Exactly. You know, I think there's a lot of comics who like, you know, almost there's a small part of them when something terrible happens to them. You know, they run out of gas on the highway. There's a small part of them that enjoy that because mm-hmm. they know they can turn that into comedy. And I think <laughs> it's great that we can turn the dark parts of life or the inconveniences into something that other people can enjoy. But I want to like – I don't want to have shitty things happen in my life so I can have a better act. Right. Like I want to just enjoy my life. Yeah. Like I don't want to have to like – and I, I have to believe that that's possible. Yeah. And because I think a lot of people are like, no, you got to like go through the shit if you want to create art. No, I have to believe that you can still have like a pretty cool, fun, enjoyable life and still create entertaining art. Mm -hmm. That's like the thing that I – and that's what I'm shooting for. And if it doesn't work out, it's like, well, I've still had like a fun, entertaining life. So – but yeah, because I'm like – I don't want to be that – because there are guys out there that are insanely funny. But I never want to be funny right. like them. They're like miserable. They're miserable, complaining yeah. about like how they know don't know how about women, and I'm like, like these stories that are hilarious and but so awkward, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't want to be funny like that. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. don't. Yeah, you want to enjoy your life. What? Yeah. you have one life here. Why not enjoy it? Are you like now? How about you? Do you have like a a good head on your shoulder? Like with music, like you get. Like, are you happy with where things are at? Do you get, like, kind of, like, bummed out because other bands are bigger or better? Or, like, you know, like, or do you just kind of work on your own thing and just are kind of pleased with where things are? Like, how do you feel about it? I go through different stages with it. I Sometimes I, I uh, yeah, I stress about, you know, not doing better, you know, yeah. and, and feel like, oh, you know, we fucked up this or that, and you know, and it didn't go as well as it should have, and, you know. 
Yeah, of course. And and you see, you know, I see bands that, lots of bands that have opened for us in the past and they're much bigger than us now. Oh, God, you know, I know. Stuff, Same thing with comics. Stuff like that. So Same thing with comics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that can, that can make you feel like, not not like you deserve it more than them, but just like, what what's wrong? What, yeah. What's happening? What am I know? not doing? Exactly. But, you know, in my good times and when I'm able to create and stuff like that, I don't care about any of that. Yeah. I just I just care about it's really about the zone I'm in right now, I'm not thinking about any other, you know, people or how good they're doing what I'm just like in this zone of self improvement mm-hmm. for the sake of my own life and, and getting it to the point where I'm happy. And, and have a good workflow during the day and ha- you know are you what's your workflow like do you go into the studio at a certain time or do you kind of like wait till creativity hits you and then work on it are you more um disciplined with it I, you know I'm, I'm i'm pretty it's pretty chaotic i guess but i've been just trying to be in there in that room as much as possible lately just mm-hmm. doing, doing stuff and you know i, I have uh just a, a lot of words that I've been writing for the last couple of years, so I kind of have this backlog of those that I'm just trying to set to song. Do you now. let the so, words lead the music, or the music lead the words? Sort of the word leads the the words lead the music. I would say for the most part. Yeah, and then you so you have the words, and then you build like the song around that. Around that, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Part, yeah. That's like part of my brain. Like music and languages is just that. I don't have the things to make that click. I have other things that click, you yeah. know, but like that, I, I'm always so, um, it's like, wow. It's like, watch, I don't, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin, like to put that together. Like it's so it's just really, like mind numbingly, it's, 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 it's know, like mysterious. I, 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 it is mysterious and it's still mysterious to me, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's really about that feeling when you get that feeling and it just feels like, Oh, oh this is tight. Yeah, yeah. Like, like there's, this says something, this means something, you know, then, then you know that you're on the right path and then you continue in that path. There's like a great, um, this is the same thing when, um, you know, if sometimes you'll get off stage and comics usually like are really good about giving each other tags. I love doing that for my friends. Like I'll watch mm-hmm. their set and then yeah. there'll be one thing. I'm like, Hey, there's, if you say that, and that's my favorite thing is to give a tag to and somebody is like, oh my god, that's gonna be. And then I love getting one where mm-hmm. people give me mm-hmm. like a great tag. I'm like, like a perfect little button. Yeah. And that's always the thing is jokes are so hard to end that it's so nice when you have a little button. I like how it gets I, like a big laugh, and then it's like, all right, done with that joke. On to the next one. I like how in comedy that there's like an etiquette where you accept and and give out tags, and that's not considered like stealing someone's shit. You know what I mean? Oh, it's no, not considered yeah. like that. That's like a very communal. Part of it is just the finishing up of a joke. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The, the, the putting the bow and bow around it. Or yeah, whatever. and some guys will never use the tag because yeah. they feel very like I have to do everything on my own. I see. Which, totally get that. Yeah. But and, and I think most people though are like, oh, that's really funny. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. I'll try that. I don't get that. I think if it works, it works. If it's yeah, that's kind of like, how I am. Plus, I just like I've given people so many tags. Yeah. And so many people have given me tags. I, I was doing a joke. I was just in a city. And this guy after was like, hey, I guess that joke really worked out. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, that one part. I'm the one who gave you that. I was like, you gave me that? I was like, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. He's like, you forgot. I'm like, I I guess so. I'm sorry. But I'm like, that's a great joke. Yeah. Yeah. And it was nice to like, uh, I totally like, because a lot of times, like, I've given people jokes where they told me, they're like, what did you think of that? I'm like, that was really funny. Yeah. That was yours. I'm like, that was me? Yeah. It's like, oh. You forget. Really? That was me? That was really high. I was like, that was. Really funny. I, yeah. I did a good job. Yeah. I always forget tags I give people. 
But I love, I love that, that back and forth. Yeah. I used to do that at open mics where I used to do this open mic in L.A. at the Ha Ha Cafe on Lancashire in North Hollywood. Garbage, garbage room. And it was the only place I knew to go to when I moved to L.A. I knew of no other place. It was before they have – now, if you move to L.A., there's literally a website, thecomedybureau.com, has the list of every single open mic and book show in the city and keeps it up to date. Wow. Like it's, it's like all you got to do is just show up, man. Yeah. Or before, you didn't even know where it was. So I would go there, pay $5 to get a drink. You had to pay $5, buy a drink to perform. So I'd get a beer for $5. And the worst comics in the world would go on stage with insanely like so much racist, misogynistic, so many rape jokes. Mm-hmm. Like just, wow, that's a lot of rape jokes. And I would just sit with my notebook and I would just punch up their acts. And I just would write punchlines. Would lines. you tell them or not even? No. I told one girl once. I gave her – she was awful. She was like not – she used to go up and do the same five minutes. And when you see someone over the course of like six months do the same five minutes right. over and over that's weird. Yeah. That that falls under the weird category. Mm-hmm. At an open mic, the right. same five minutes for the same people over and over and over. That's fucking weird, man. Yeah. But there was one time I was like, oh, what if you say this? And like she just looked at me like I was the weirdest person in the world. I have And I was minutes. like, I'm the weird one. And I was just like, yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't tell – I would tell people who like – who's comedy. If they went up and they really enjoyed their comedy, I'd be like, hey, that was really funny and be like – you know, actually, I thought of something if, if you'd like to hear it. And they were cool. But for the most part, like all the crazy comics, and there's a lot of them, I would just write jokes, like actual, like off their premises. I would spend mm-hmm. time writing As jokes. As an exercise. And then that was how I got through the mics. That's how it's – because you'd have to wait like two, three hours to go up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I like watching – I don't know. I like watching bad comedy because I feel like you, there's a lot to learn from it. Right. And also, I just think it's like a good mental... Like, if you approach it, we're like, well, how would I do this? If I was going to do this terrible, terrible joke, how would I do it? Right. And you just write jokes, and that's how I used to get through that's mics. Good, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Until I go off and you know run my garbage. Right. Well, let's let's close up, but I want to know what's next for you. Like, what, what do you... Cleveland. What? But after this tour... Sunbury. <laughs> Sealands Grove. Scranton. Oh, these uh, are some small towns. I, I am. I'm doing so. I like going to small yeah. towns. They're so appreciative when you come. They're like, thank you so much for yeah. coming here. <laughs> like, you're no welcome. Uh, I'm going to be on the road for a while. I get back into LA December 12th, where I get to headline the Hollywood Improv. So that's nice. my, my final show. Yeah. yeah, I'm super stoked and like a little bit uh, nervous about that one obviously um but if you're on if i, I have all the my dates up at heyron.com and i'm gonna be i'm instagramming at heyron on twitter at, at ron babcock on twitter uh, at ron babcock and at heyron on instagram okay believe me i'm trying to get the heyron handle on twitter just gotcha. to make it easy and gotcha. then but heyron.com has everything yeah. um has and you go there it has all my videos and stuff um I don't know. I got to figure that out. I have yeah. a couple of ideas. You don't have to. You you can kind of just live in the moment. Well, too. I'm actually going to um I'm going to go to London because my sister lives there for Christmas, and then in the new year, my mom I think is going to have um, some surgery on her knee, so I'm going to go home and help her out with that. Mm-hmm. And so I've been taping every single show on this uh, tour, and I'm gonna and I'm an editor, um, so I'm going to edit together like a mixtape of all my bits, so that like you know. One joke will be in Minneapolis, another joke will be in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. another joke will be in Scranton. And so I'm going to do like an hour-long kind of like stand-up comedy 
I don't know, mixtape. And uh, and then I've also been taping other stuff on the road, like just with the car and like little organic moments that happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put those in between the bits. So I think when I go home in the fall, I'll be in Scranton where there's going to be no meetings or auditions or shows. I'll just be able to like hang out with my mom, make edit. sure she's better, and then edit. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of excited just to have like two, three months to work on that. And then I want to like make that and then just put it up online. And then um, after that, I guess... I don't know. Go back to LA and keep doing what I'm doing. Cool, man. Yeah, but dude, this has been super fun. It's been super fun. I enjoyed the hell out of this. Thank you for thank you for doing. I've been sitting here in my kitchen with Ron Babcock, Cincinnati, Ohio. Great kitchen, and, by uh, the way. He's, he's off to Cleveland, man. Solid kitchen. I mean, really, just the red door matching with the chairs right here. Love the original hardwood floors. Thank you. Did a really nice job. Thank you. Uh, say bye to these folks. <laughs> oh, oh, bye, folks. I remember MercedesMotoring.com. Hell yeah, y'all. I am Yoni Wolf. This has been The Wandering Wolf. Thank you again for listening. It be my pleasure to bring these to you. You can find me at um, at Yoni Wolf on, on all the social media. You can find me at um, the Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. You can donate to that email address via paypal the wandering wolf podcast at gmail.com keep me going that goes to my hotels and stuff like that when i'm out in the world getting podcasts so it does go back into the podcast pretty much okay uh yeah I, I, there's not too much else to say i'm gonna i'm gonna just be out here enjoying this day because it's it's we're, the winter is closing in on us and i'm still looking uh, yes i am still looking at Costa Rica and other places to go in the winter time. I've looked at LA, but it's so expensive. Like apartments are so expensive. And then it's like, then you're like, end up in like a place that's not so beautiful. Yeah, the weather's nice, but you end up, you know, in, in like a real city area. And that's not what I want. I need to get into, I need to connect to, to nature and shit like that. I need to do yoga every day and, and be at the beach and, and, you know, writing songs in that relaxed state really let let uh, let things flow through me. Use my brain as a as a receiver uh, and then and then transmitter as well to, to get those songs out. So that's what I want to do. So yeah, I'm looking at like Central America, Caribbean shit like that. If you got any leads on these sort of things and you know uh, someone with a back house, I just I really just need a bed, a hot plate, a uh, sink, and a shower in a toilet in that order they could just be lined up uh, along a, a horizontal path with a one long hallway to have all those functions in that order alright let me stop babcocking cockling nonsense babbling nonsense alright you guys keep wandering 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 Something like that.